so the last time that I taught, Joshua hugged me and privately said there would be more. <laughs> and I was kind of nervous, um, which I've actually been fighting it all this week. But um, Holy Spirit, as soon as he said that, immediately gave me something to share. Um, this is actually a, a big deal to my heart. Um, when we were going to Grace Revolution Church, um, Joseph Prince brought out the teaching, um, the difference between... In the Old Testament, we see Lord spelled two ways. Capital L, small O-R-D, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And when he brought out the teaching, I went into the scriptures and jumped into it like crazy and perspective for me completely changed with the way I saw Jesus as Lord. Um, and it's a, um, I realized that the majority of people see Jesus in a way that is actually distant relationship. Um, but I, I want to start from John chapter 17 from Jesus prayer. In my heart, there, there's Holy Spirit shared something with me two nights ago um, concerning with the way the body of Christ at large sees the Lord. And, I, and the Lord just wants to readjust our comprehension of that. In my heart, I want to I wanna close the distance for people in this area. Because the whole issue of Yehovah and Adonai... Um, the way we relate to the Lord is totally dependent on relationship, and I'll explain all of this. In John chapter 17, verse 6, um, Jesus said, I manifest, he's praying to the Father. Um, he starts off and says, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Verse 6, I manifested your name to the men or to the people whom you gave to me out of the world. Verse 11, halfway through. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given to me. And um, when I saw that prayer, I thought, wow, Lord Jesus, um, Father gave you his name. So what I want to do is I want to lay a foundation. Um, I'm going to read a prophetic word that the Lord spoke to me at the end of December, I think it's going to speak to some of you guys. He said, do not pursue fame, do not pursue a name. Come after me and pursue my face. In my presence and before my face is the place of transformation where is removed all shame, where is liberty and freedom from sin and Satan's domain, an unveiling of my glory, an unveiling of my name. For in the word and Holy Spirit, my righteousness is seen. To where the change for which you long is set by my decree. Walk before my face complete, not doubting by what you feel. Live in the oil of faith as free, and my Father will place in you his zeal. My grace from my cross and my resurrection power is found in private time, in the morning hour. I will unveil to you holy anointed love. To touch a world with my power through you from above. 
So seek my face, come after knowing me. I will pour into you the depths of heaven's authoritative decrees. I will set my table for my people my own. In the face of all their adversaries, yes, their enemies will groan. For vengeance is mine, judgments from my throne. My people will triumph, their countenances glow. Come after me and pursue my face. My Father's throne is the throne of grace. Unclothe yourself of all unbelief. Your royal robe is my righteousness. I love you, Jesus. Mm. Um, and so there's, there's just an unveiling of his name that I want to go into. Can you scroll down to... Um, can you, are you able to scroll down at all on here, on yeah. this screen? There's something that I saw. It's going to take me a while to get in, in sync. So what we see in the Old Testament is Lord, and this has to do with his name, Yudhe-Vav-Hey, The other one is like the death, um, from which we have Adonai. Anybody who knows Spanish recognizes that right there. Okay. Um, what's fascinating in the scriptures, and I, I saw this this week and I was actually blown away. Um, there's, a, there's a really close link that the Lord wants to get of this relationship with him to where he is intensely God to us because there are several times in the Old Testament where it says they will be my people and I will be to them God and the thing that Holy Spirit just keeps showing me is that there's a distance that people are perceiving with the Lord they're seeing God here and Adonai here at, in large and you'll see this um, but what I want to do is I want to unveil these two names the um, you all know the phrase, I am that I am. Okay, it's in this chapter. This is the first time it's ever used in Exodus chapter 3. And it's related to this name, the youth, hey, vav, hey. Um, if we can, okay. So this is a technicality, not for argument's sake. Just there's a reason why I say Yehovah and not Yahweh. Um, I'll show you the way most people see it. They see it as Yahweh, Okay. <laughs> This is just the technicality, not argument. Say. In Hebrew, so in the Old Testament, when Hebrew was written, if you notice these dots and lines here, mm -hmm. that's called the nikud or the, the vowel markings. Okay. In, it can, are you able to see this? Does this pull out? Um. Yes, it does. Okay. When the Masoretic text that we have for the Hebrew does not have the Nikud in here. And what they were realizing about 100 or 200 years after the New Testament was written is that there's a generation of Jewish people growing up who read this, who don't know how to pronounce what they're seeing. It would be that this is a very crude example, but it would be writing like LOL. We all know it means laughing out loud. Or SOS, okay? That, that's a very crude way of saying that's how 
they write things and when they see it in sentence they know exactly what the word is mm-hmm. okay okay there was a there was a generation i believe of levitical family who realized that people needed to know um is it an aw sound an o sound an is sound whatever the sound is and so they came up um they developed what the nakud the vowel sounds in here okay mm-hmm. so this, this word is malak in here, and you see the ah sound. That long line is actually like an ah sound, like at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in English, okay? The two dots here are like a, okay? It, it, it would be written as an e, but they don't say e, they say a, okay? Um, this double dot here is an eh sound, but it's, it's really short. It's a, eh. okay, like you understand. Totally do. <laughs> okay, so this is your ah sound, but do you see the line and the dot here? Mm-hmm. That's an ah, as opposed to an ah, it's an ah. Okay, so again, this is just a technicality. But when I read the Masoretic text within the Kud, I don't see. The line and the dot here. I see. That's a U. That's a Y. Heart, pardon me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yud, hey, vav, hey. Okay. That's the Yud right there. Um, this is the H right here, which is this letter. Yeah. Can you see that, everybody? Mm-hmm. So um, that's actually an O sound. Um, but this is the Vav. A, a Vav. Let me see if they've got it in here. And okay, here's a vav right here, which is the which is the name, which is the and. And is a connection. Okay, in ancient Hebrew, it's actually a peg. Mm-hmm. It would eventually be understood as a nail, but it's something that you attach something to. Okay, that's why. So it's and is connecting this to this. Mm-hmm. These are technicalities. Do you understand? Okay. So when I read. The Masoretic text, I see a short eh sound and I see the odd. Ah. This is actually, BibleHub.com has just put this in mm-hmm. here as an accent. But this is Yehovah to me. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. I, what I found out is this is the Samaritan way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there an O above that first name? Yeah, it's because it's, it's actually Yehovah. And there's a little dot above the H, right? Right here. Yeah. It's Yehovah. It's almost a... It's a you, yeah, it's there. Because you see it in Jesus' Jesus' name, Yesu in Greek, is, is, is a transliteration mm-hmm. of the Hebrew Yeshua. Yeah. Okay? And Jesus' name comes from Joshua's name, Yehoshua. Okay, and all they did is basically pull the sound of the O out from Yehoshua and made it Yeshua. Okay, that's cool. Technicalities. That's great. Okay, that's the only reason I say Yehovah. Um, that's why you'll see some European English translations translate it Jehovah, because that's how they're seeing it in the Masoretic text. Mm-hmm. In Europe, my mom and dad are from the Netherlands, because I've had people go, well, there's no J in, in Hebrew. In the Netherlands, I had an uncle named John, Uncle John. In Dutch, the J is a Yosel. His name is Jan. Oh. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you see an English version that says Jehovah, 
the English would see it as Yehovah. Mm-hmm. That's why they wrote a J, okay? Mm-hmm. Technicalities. I just want you guys to understand. Okay. So, um, can, are you able to scroll down for me, please? So, Moses is at the burning bush. Um, keep going. Okay. It says, it, um, I, I'm just going to say it how I see it. Okay, you guys. <laughs> it says, and appeared. It actually is, and was uh, the angel of the Lord was seen to Moses in the flame of fire from the midst. Keep going down. So he stopped to look. Keep going down, please. The clicker is kind of scary. That's okay. That's okay. Keep going. So Moses is going to turn aside to see. I'm trying to get down to where his name is. Is that the end Moses? of the chapter? Lower. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Okay. Hang on. Okay. Can, can you scroll up just a hair? Sure. Thanks for bearing with me, you guys. Yeah, where is that one? Here. See, maybe we can go like this. That's just like that. And there we have it. And maybe no, honestly, you, it honestly, it's that's okay. Let let me go in here. That's okay. That one's fascinating. Okay. Go back. If, I'll, I'll let you set it up. If, if you go to Exodus chapter 3. Okay. I have Exodus 3. What number? What? Okay. Um, so in verse. Okay. I'm just going to start from verse 4. When the Lord, when Yehovah saw that Moses turned aside to look. God called to him from the mountain. When I see these names going mm-hmm. on, these, the Lord's not just filling in words. Mm-hmm. He's intentionally saying things, okay? Yeah. Um, and there's a direct connection that God, God's wanting to bring into our lives the intensity of who he is as God to this Yehovah relationship. It sounds technical, but I'm, I'm really working to get at it for you guys exploding mm, I guess we can leave a few survivors it's not a <laughs> when the Lord when Yehovah saw that he, Moses just turn it off from anywhere he turned all these things just turn it off it's okay I'm trying to from everywhere that's alright they'd rather have it When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Then he said, do not come near, remove the place. He goes on to say, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 7, and Yehovah said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And have given heed to their cry. Verse 8. So I've come down to deliver them. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. 
So the Lord says he's going to send Moses. Verse 11, here's where Moses asks a question and brings in the whole issue of Jesus introducing, I mean, the Lord introducing who he is as I am, okay? Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel? And he said, certainly, what does it say? Okay, this is where the Lord wants to make correction for us. He literally says, virtually every translation says this, I will be with you. You know what that points to? Feature. Okay. Do you know in the Old Testament Hebrew, there's no future tense? Mm. At all. They've actually translated perfect tense into future tense. There is in Hebrew today, presently there's future tense, but in the Old Testament there's no future tense at all. Mm. Because when God said it, it's a done deal. Mm. But here's what's amazing. Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I say to you, and I, I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. Um, now they may say to me, What is his name? What should I say to them? He had just asked, Who am I that I'm going to deliver? Verse 14, here's what's key. And God said to Moses, it doesn't say the Lord said to Moses. It says God said to Moses, Elohim said to Moses, I am who I am. Okay, in in Hebrew, he literally says, Asher, when I saw the Ehye, I am that I am. Go back to verse 12. It said, and he said, certainly, he said, Ehye, I am with you. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, I will be with you. He said, I am with you. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. I want you, there's a reason I'm telling you guys this because Holy Spirit spoke to me on Thursday night and his presence came down. Please go to Joshua chapter one. Verse Are you guys there? Yes. Okay. Holly, would you read that, please? Sure. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Right there. Okay. How was the Lord with Moses? Okay. I share it. Okay. He was, I am. The verse 5, when I, when I saw, when I was reading Joshua in the Hebrew, I literally said, it literally says, He literally says, as I was with Moses, I am with you, not I will be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Holy Spirit spoke to me when I was 
on Thursday late afternoon. I'm sorry, I'm being racked right now. The Holy Spirit said this is how people see me, but that's not how I am. We always keep saying the Lord's going to do this. He will do this. Mm -hmm. The Lord is never I will be. He's never I will be to you guys. He's always I am. He literally wants to change our believing from the Lord's going to do this. The Lord is this to us. Okay, he's not saying to the body of Christ, I will be your healer. He says, I am your healer. He's not saying to the body of Christ, I will be your deliverer. He said, I am your deliverer. As I was with Moses, I am with you, not will be. It's not what I was here, I will be there. What does it do for now? You can't find in the scriptures where God is, I will be. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay. Let me erase this. So, I mean, so this word, Adonai, is an emphatic form of the Hebrew word Adon, and it literally means ruler. It, it's it's rooted in an ancient word that m- literally means to rule. Okay, in English, uh, England, you have part of the British Parliament, you have the House of Lords. Mm-hmm. These guys were wealthy landowners in history, or very rich people, from their merchant men, their landowners. Okay, here's the thing with this so, in Spanish, you'll see it as doy. In German, you'll see it as von. In Dutch, you'll see it as van. It all, the Spanish is closest to the, he, to the Hebrew right there. Here's the thing, you guys. If you have an English lord and you live in his area, you're distant, you're distant. If you're not blood relative and close to him, you see him as here and you're here. Okay, you're not this unless you're a, unless you're his daughter, mm-hmm. or his son, or his wife. Okay, um, it's intentional that this is, but this is more. This is not the Lord's name. This is his title. Mm-hmm. Okay, go back to um, go back to Exodus chapter three, please. Pardon me. Let's go. Let's jump to Exodus chapter six. I'm going to show you something. Um, we'll start from the beginning. Then Yehovah spoke to Moses. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh for under compulsion he shall let them go and under compulsion he shall drive them out of his land. God further said to Moses, I am the Lord. Again, this is a technicality. He doesn't literally say in Hebrew, I am the Lord. He says, I, Yehovah. Anoki Yehovah is how it says, okay? Here's what he said. If you look at the beginning of that sentence, it says, God said to Moses, I am Yehovah. There's this this amazing link when you understand, because 
There's something in God the Father that wants to be God to us in a way where we take advantage of who he is as this monster supreme God who just happens to be our Heavenly Father. Okay? Um, He said, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yehovah, I did not make myself known to them. When I first saw that, I argued with the Lord. uh, If you remember, Abraham goes and fights that battle in Genesis um, Genesis 14. He sees Melchizedek at the end. The very next um, chapter, chapter 15, it says, The the word of the Lord came to, to Abraham in a vision. And Abraham's having this conversation. He's going, okay, you haven't given me any children. And I saw in there where he, he literally uses both names. He, he literally says, Adonai Yehovah, um, which the English never puts, when, when you read it in English, it'll always say, Lord God, because they're not going to do this in English. Okay, but you'll you, whenever they put God, it'll it'll have some kind of saying like look over in the side here, and it literally means Yahovah. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense to you guys? Yes. Because this would look strange reading it in English. They're going, why are they doing that? And all all this means it's Adonai Yehovah, except they. When they're put together, it's Adonai Yehovah, okay? Um, anyway, so, so he said, I did not make myself known to them as Lord. He said, I established my covenant with them. Verse 6, say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, Anoki Yehovah, and I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and a great judgment. Then I will make you for my people, and I will be your God. The Hebrew literally is saying, I will be to you God. Okay? And you will know that I am Yehovah, your God. Um, okay. Go back to chapter 3, verse 15. Am I making you guys turn too much? No. And God said... Furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord Yehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. Okay? So what he's saying, y'all... We need a blackboard. The blackboard would erase better. He's literally saying, this is my name to all generations. So, if you ever hear somebody reading from um, a Jewish translated scriptures, or they're they're actually seeing this name as this, they will never say this. They will actually say Adonai. 
you've probably heard this phrase in Hebrew, Shema Yisrael, Yehovah, or Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Okay? That's not how it says it in the scriptures. They just won't say this name. Yeah. Because it says in the law, you shall not take the name of Yehovah in vain. You shall not take the name of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So to avoid taking their name in vain, they switch it to Adonai. There's a problem with that though. If you're not in relationship and you call him this, when he made himself known to Moses as this, your distant your relationship is distant. Yeah. Okay? Which is how it is for a lot of Jewish people who don't know the Messiah. Because if they're going, I'm going to show you how this all connects with Jesus' name. Because when they get the revelation that God intentionally made himself known to Moses with this name, they'll be able to say the name of Jesus and the veil will be ripped. That's so good. Okay. Let me see if I can find my notes here. Okay. Um... Here's, here's what's amazing, you guys. Oh, I, I wanted to show you something because Moses goes cold on the Lord. I saw this this week and I thought, whoa, Moses. Isn't it cold? Yeah, I'll show you what I mean by that. He literally went from this to this. He got, I don't know if he got scared or whatever, but he literally, there was almost, I'm, I'm just saying how I see it, okay? He literally did this. Um... Well, where you were? Yeah, I, um, Exodus. He's arguing with the Lord. Um, let me go here. I think it's chapter four. I hadn't been following my notes. Um, okay, verse ten. Then Moses said to Yehovah, Please, Adonai, I have never been eloquent. He starts bargaining with the Lord, like, um, send somebody else. And he starts, the Lord had just, you guys, had just going, look, I'm making myself known to you. Okay? And he says to Yehovah, Adonai, I've not been eloquent. And he stays there for several verses. And I'm going, Moses. He's dead. He's just like Peter. (laughs) Lord, I don't uh, agape you. I mean, I play you. Yeah. Holly, I was thinking the same thing. Wow. Oh, my Lord. Right? Like he was, God speaking agape love and Peter's the phileo. Wow. So good. So it's a foreshadowing kind of, right? Wow. It's just two people, but there's no close to God who um, something they just recognize their own like humanity or something and they distance themselves. Uh realizing, you know, we can't do it in and of ourselves. I mean there's no way. It takes the you'd hate Bach, which Mark sends I in doubt. Okay, so um, 
I want to unveil this name to you guys because you're going to be so in awe of who the Lord is. There's a revelation that comes to Moses. He gets a partial revelation, but then he actually prophesies over somebody who would be his successor by changing his name. Okay. But I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Um, I, I, and there's a reason for this. Um, please go to Luke chapter 4. Um, verse 17 and 18, Wendy. Um, I, the, verse 17 and the first sentence of verse 18, please. Sure. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay, right there. So, um, if, if you're a New American, it's putting everything in capitals because it's quoting the Old Testament. Other translations are just going to literally have this. The Spirit of the Lord. And the majority of people who see this are going to have this in their minds. Getting hurters. Okay? Because the Greek literally has the spirit of um, of the Lord for you. And so Here's the thing, the, the Greek word for Lord is kurios. And it also is rooted in a word meaning to rule. It, it's actually rooted in a word meaning authority. Okay? So the majority of people are going uh, to, when they read the Old when they read the New Testament, um, unless you're in a New American where they're quoting the Old Testament, are going to always see this. Mm. Okay, and if they're thinking Old Testament, they're going to think Adonai. Here's what's amazing. <laughs> Turn to Isaiah 61. Caden, would you read that, please? Uh, let me find the verse for you. I think it's just the very first one. The first one, because it's only the one. Yeah, the very first sentence, please. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Yes. Oh, you're reading New International. I love that. <laughs> okay. Who has another version? The spirit of the Lord God. Yes. Okay. Did you hear how we said the spirit of the Lord God? Mm -hmm. But you'll see God, um, if you look in your side, it literally has the spirit of Yahweh. Okay. So the way that is in the Hebrew, it's literally the spirit of Adonai Yehovah. It mm -hmm. actually uses both and combines them. Yes. But you don't see it in the Greek because they use one word. Okay. The, the, the New Testament Greek word comprises both of them, but brings out the strength of Adonai. But if you don't understand the close relationship of Yehovah, then you're going to see it this way in terms of distance, okay? 
but both names are involved because both aspects of who the of who God the Lord is are in Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, it's literally the spirit of the sovereign Yehovah. Okay, the one who rules. Does that make sense to you? you you'll it, um, in Mark chapter one when it's talking about John the Baptist. It talks about him being sent before the Lord. And it'll write capital small O-R-D. But if you look in the Isaiah, I think it might be chapter 40 or whatever it is. It's actually this, um, he prepared the way of the Lord, is prepared the way of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Um, anyway, I, so I want to take you, when, when the Lord had said to Moses, I didn't make my name, Yehovah known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I realized that they had actually um, called him by that, but they never got the revelation. The revelation of his name comes in Exodus chapter 34. Um, so if I, this is what I love, you guys. In chapter 33, Moses has just come down the mountain. Okay, I'm chasing a, completely chasing a rabbit here. What did he go up the mountain to get? Pardon me, I answered, asked it wrong. What did he go up the mountain to, to? Why did he spend the 40 days up the mountain? And did he just want to be with him? Like, no. When, to when, see God's face? To see God's face? No? To get close? Well, the very first set of 40 days. Why is he up the mountain? Anybody? Isn't it strange to you that it takes God 40 days to inscribe it on stone? He didn't. If you actually go to chapter 19, he, I think it's in chapter 19, he says, I'm gonna, I, I want you to come to the mountain and I'm going to give you the law which I've written. Yeah, which he means he already it. written it. Mm-hmm. What did he go up the mountain to see? What, what people don't realize is from the moment he goes out, in the next 40 days, he's getting the entire tabernacle pattern. Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. what he went to get. Uh-huh. The pattern of the tabernacle. Yes, he's going to bring the, this down. Okay. But he's getting a revelation of heaven. <laughs> because the tabernacle is a, is a micro vision of the throne room in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's what the 40 days were for. And you see it at the end of Exodus because he builds it according to the pattern shown him on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. While he's up there, they're having this orgy down below. They don't know where Moses is because they sent somebody else to go see the Lord, go seek the Lord for them. So he, as he's coming down the mountain, by the way, Joshua, did you know that Joshua spent the 40 days on the mountain also? Mm-hmm. Joshua actually went up the mountain part of the way. Nobody was supposed to go up, but Joshua went up part of the way and spent the 40 days. So Moses is up here. Moses is starting to come down and he meets Joshua and goes, Joshua, Joshua thinks there's war in the camp. And Moses goes, there's not war in the camp. Something else is going on. And he comes down. The Lord's angry with his people. 3,000 are killed. Moses um, takes the tent of meeting outside the camp. Um, in, in chapter 33... This is what I love, you guys. Verse 11. It says, The Lord 
Yehovah used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. The only guy to walk outside the camp to go meet with the Lord was Joshua. And he's hearing all this intimate conversation. He's hearing face-to-face conversation between the Lord and Moses. This is amazing to me. Joshua is learning. He's, he's not just learning the word of the Lord. He's learning the Lord's heartbeat. He's learning his tone. He's learning his voice the whole time. It's so amazing to me. But Moses has gone back to intercede for the people. And so the next verses, he talks about seeking his favor. He's uh, Verse 13, Now therefore I pray, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I might find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he, the Lord said, My presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm looking for something in particular. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray thee, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of Jehovah before you, and I will be gracious to you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. When Moses was asking to see his glory, he was actually asking to see his face. Because when he says, show me your glory, the Lord, his final answer is to him, you can't see my face and live. Mm -hmm. So that was the heart of his question, was Mm -hmm. to see his face, okay? So the next day... um, now the Lord said to Moses, Yehovah said to Moses, cut out for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, and I will write on the tablets the words with that were on the former tablets which you shattered. So we know that Moses broke the whole law all at once. Yes, that can't back That's good. So what? So be ready by, um, by morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. And no man is to come up with you. Okay, so verse 4, he cuts the tablets. Verse 5, And Yehovah descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called on the name of Yehovah. Then the Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, Yehovah, Yehovah. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers. He doesn't do that anymore. So 
when the Lord begins to proclaim his name, what he, he literally says, um, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for a thousand generations, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. What the Lord's... Okay, I'm going to chase kind of a rabbit. There's a reason Moses couldn't see his face, you guys. When he gives them the pattern of the tabernacle, one of the things the Lord's going to have him do, um, he's going to have him make the Ark of the Covenant, okay? In Hebrew, the cover is called kofer, which is literally a cover. We see it translated in the New Testament as mercy seat, okay? It's also a judgment seat. It is a judgment seat because there was blood spilled. But it's a mercy seat because the guilty one isn't the one being judged. Okay? This is a likeness of what's in heaven. Okay? So the likeness has these archangels who look down on blood. Okay? But the real in heaven at this time weren't looking at blood because there was no blood of the real one in heaven. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's why Moses couldn't see his face. Can you say that again? Huh. The likeness of the judgment seat, the mercy seat in heaven, has the two archangels. Mm -hmm. They were intentionally to look down onto the kofer, the covering, the mercy seat, or the propitiation. Okay, Propitiation is, a, is the English word that has two definitions it literally means mercy seat and it means mercy seat offering the offering that satisfies the judgment mm -hmm. okay so the likeness of what's in heaven would look down on blood mm -hmm. but the real one in heaven at this time there was no blood on the mercy seat it wasn't called a mercy seat. it's prophetically called a mercy seat but it's not a mercy seat until there's blood on it, mm -hmm. okay? It's purely a judgment seat. No man could see the Lord's face and live because all there would be would be judgment, mm -hmm. okay? And it's not the Lord's heart. That's why there had to be a veil, okay? What, what's amazing, um, I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm chasing a rabbit, on the the priests went into the Holy of Holies once a year, but do you know that they actually went in more than one time on that day? Leviticus 16 says that, that the first sacrifice that they had to do was for a bull for the sin of the priesthood. The most costly, greatest sacrifice on the Day of, on, um, the day of Atonement. Is the Day of Atonement the day that they went in? Mm-hmm. Um, was no it was it was the um passover. passover passover they would sacrifice a bull for the sin of the priests and then they would sacrifice a goat for the sin of the people so the greater guilt was on the priesthood mm -hmm. that's how they got protected mm -hmm. so the priest would sacrifice the bull bring the blood of the bull through the and sprinkle it seven times on the ground and then once on, on the mercy seat okay he would go back out um, they would sacrifice one of two goats and he would go back in on the same day. So it was once a year, but it was twice on that day. 
Leviticus 16, okay? Um, but the reason Moses couldn't look at the Lord's face is because the real mercy seat in heaven and the, the archangels are basically those who are protecting what's holy. I don't know if the cherubim are the same as the seraphim in the Garden of Eden, but you know that they carried flaming swords for people not to come in because it's, it's too holy. It would kill people. Okay. Okay. Um, are, am I losing anybody? Is everybody good? Okay. Numbers 13, you guys. This is where we bring Jesus into it. So in Numbers 13, it says, Yehovah spoke to Moses and said, send out for yourself men that will go and spy out the land of Canaan. So you will see from verses 5 to verse 16, pardon me, verse 15, 12 named men. They are both, they're called both leaders and heads in their tribes. Okay. In verse 8, it says, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. So this is actually his original name before it's Joshua. Okay. This is this is the guy. And I love this. I love the definition of his name. Go to verse 16. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. But Moses called Hosea the son of Nun, Joshua. So Moses is the one who changes his name. Okay. Moses is the one who actually adds the Lord's name to Yehoshua. Wow. Okay? One of the things that hit me this week when, as I was looking this over again, when you go back to Exodus 3, when the Lord makes himself known to him, we know that Jesus' name means the Lord is salvation. And we know that the word salvation means saved, healed, delivered, protected. Okay? The thing that hit me the strongest when I was reading the initial revelation of the Lord's name in Exodus 3 is this. Salvation has everything to do with deliverance. From out, from out of, into, okay? The reason this is big to me is because to me, too many of the church see salvation as a ticket to heaven and not a deliverance from sin in this life. Mm. God's heart is not to save you from out of and leave you like the generation that died in the desert. And I think that's where most too many people are because that's how salvation has been proclaimed and the Lord's heart Colossians chapter 1 says that God through Jesus it says God delivered us from the authority of the of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love he didn't just deliver us out of he del- he set us into okay there's something in very intentional in the Lord that he wants to bring out about his name here. But 
I want to bring out the fullness of the revelation of the, of the Lord's name. So he, Josh or Yehoshua. That's kind of how it is. Is literally from Yehovah and the Hebrew word Yasha. And this definition is so, so huge. And get my eyes phone. I think it's my phone. I'm behind the chair. Okay. So when when you look up this name, it's so huge, you guys. You see this tin line. Deep sleep sleep. Explain to me Hebrew understanding. Dasha literally to be openly wide or freed. By implication, all of this means to be saved. Okay. Justinius in his lexicon brought this out in Hebrew understanding. And you were saved, you were in a broad place of liberty. Okay? Safety meant I'm free. And they're just, it's almost like you have room and ground to run in and just you're just free. In the Hebrew mindset, danger was straight. Yes. Okay? Dasha literally is, is this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. There's freedom. There's liberty. You feel like there's this open space in front of you. There's a reason I'm using our. You get into that. To where these names come together. So, Joseph Prince brought this out and giving him credit, but I searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. Good brain. <laughs> and found it to be so. So I'm writing this back right to God. It's mm-hmm. In ancient Hebrew, the youth is a hand. Have you ever heard of the tribe Judah? Judah? It means? Judah. The tribe Judah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise. Praise. But that's holy. It means that kind of praise. Yeah. It's not just, Lord, I praise you. It literally is. Okay, the expression is here. Okay? It's a hymn. The vav is actually a pig. Here's what's amazing about hey. When you want to get somebody's attention, 
What do you yell at them? Hey. Yeah. That's the, so in Hebrew, that's the letter. Hey. When Moses said, here am I, he said, hineni. Basically, hey. You're getting, okay. It literally means to look. And so the yud is a hand. The hey is actually a window. In ancient Hebrew, it's something that you look through. Okay? So it's like, hey, look. Okay? So when the hand you see and the peg you see, Alex, um, you got that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, do you guys know that in Israel, they don't write their numbers like this? If I'm correct, these are actually Arabic import. Okay. Yes? They are. Okay. I have confirmation. In Hebrew, Aleph is one. Beit is two. Um, this one. Gimel is three. Um, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet is four. Hey, um, pardon. Hey, is spot. When they write their numbers, they actually write the alphabet. Okay. Do you know what five is biblically? It's crazy. That's cool. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The fifth, because I checked these scriptures out and I found several more. The fifth time Noah's name is used, Genesis 6, 8, I think. It says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The word favors Han. What? From Hanan, Greg's. The fifth time Ruth's name is named, Ruth 2, 2. Ruth says to her mother-in-law, let me go out in order that I might find favor in the eyes of somebody, Han. The fifth time David's name is mentioned in scripture, it says David found him, grace, mm-hmm. favor in the eyes of King Saul. The fifth time Jesus' name is mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, it says he grew in stature and in favor mm-hmm. with God and man. So there's a biblical reason for the reason why hey is five. So there's a reason I'm saying when you see the hand and you see the peg, it's the hand of grace, nails, and grit. Yeah, me. Here's the revelation. Jesus said, I manifested your name to the men who were with me, the name that you gave to me. Jesus' name. In short, means the Lord is salvation for anyone. It literally is. Wow, it's so good.
That's what Jesus' name means. I am that I am is the hand of grace nailed in grace who sets you into a broad place of liberty where there is salvation. So there's so much depth that we miss without knowing this. Here's here's where I think the Lord wants us to understand Adonai and guys. The biggest example to me so much that the Lord keeps taking me back is Esther. Esther gets chosen by grace, okay? She's not the one who prepares herself for the king. She gets chosen. The guy raises her up, and guy prepares her to fall in love with his world. Esther will know her husband, the king of He literally was the king of kings at that time. He was the most powerful king on earth. Okay? Achashverosh. Have, has to wear is the way people think it's him. She knows him intimate, but the one place that she's scared the most is the throne room. Because the throne room, the king loves justice. And if you come wrongly, you lose your hat. But the, but the king has known her and he's a member who hasn't seen her for 30 days. And he's in love with her. She doesn't come in as a beggar. She dresses in the royalty that the king dressed her in, that, the, that she got ready in by the king. And she comes in her royalty, and the king stretches forth his scepter, and everybody sees it as a legality, and the king's heart is beating for his wife, who happens to be the queen. And she knows him here. But what she does, she needs a judgment against the Haman for her people. And what she needs this, her husband to be is the guy who has all authority and rule. This doesn't work where that isn't in place. Because you'll always see distance. Like uh, again, like the, an English lord, you would never approach, an American would never go up to a wealthy English lord and say, hey dude, how's it going, and go eat with him, unless they're friends, okay? It's distant. It, it's basically, they're here and I'm down here, but not in the kingdom. Relationship with Jesus takes this to where... The bride of Christ takes advantage of him being Lord. Ephesians chapter 1. Um, that God raised him and seated him far above every name, name, every principality, every Lord. And it says, and he gave Jesus as head over all things to the church. That's what it is. God gave Jesus as head over all things to the church. God wants us to take advantage of our king lordship to get justice where justice is needed. Does that make sense? Okay. But he's wanting to close the relationship. The, it, the thing that was strong on me this week, the two things that were predominantly strong, um, when I saw Yehovah, the first time the Lord's name Yehovah is used with Elohim is in the creation of man. Not just creation, but the creation of man. Okay. 
the Lord wants all of this to the place to where we are so in awe of God that, that we don't just become to God a people, that he becomes to us God in a, in a way where the, not just the God of creation, but the God who raised Jesus from the dead. Um, when all of that comes together, we take advantage of this because it's no longer a distant relationship. Does that make sense? The other thing, the thing that was strong in me was the whole issue of seeing the Lord not as I will be, but as I am. It's not, the Lord did not say to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I am with you. And I saw that and I looked in and go, how was the Lord with Moses? He was, I am. So he's not, he's not saying, I'm going to be, I am to you. He goes, that's who I am. Okay, because Joshua needed that in order to march through the land. If you believe it's something that God's going to do, you won't have faith for today. And there's something about the Lord wanting us as a church for faith to grow and to grow exponentially. But not just individually, but where it's a corporate thing. It's... He, right? uh, Part of me is stuck in this Ephesians 3 prayer of Paul. Um, it's tied to the Ephesians 1 that, that God would give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Um, so, let me bring something out from the Greek text here in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It doesn't mean the knowledge about him. The of him is, a pos the of him is just showing possession. It would be like saying the car of you. It means your car, okay? In this text, it literally the Greek literally means that he would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in his true knowledge. The way he knows it, he wants us to know it. And what I'm blown away with is what the wisdom and the spirit of wisdom revelation that, of the knowledge that he has and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe in accordance with the working of the dominionative might of his powerful strength, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. If we understood and let that, it's like if we could see from God what it was for him to raise this man who was completely torn apart from out of the dead, there's nothing that hell could throw at us that would hinder our faith. Does that make sense? If we saw it from God's perspective, we're going... You just defeated the spirit of death for Pete's sake. That's the last enemy to be defeated. And, and it's in light of that that he brings us to his prayer in chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth, out of verse 15, is named, that he would grant to you according to the wealth of his glory to be strengthened by power through his spirit into his inner man. That's a mouthful. He's literally going to the God of glory, the God who raised Jesus by the power of his glory, that he would strengthen us by power into our inner man for Christ to dwell in our heart by faith. 
He's not praying for them to have, they already have faith in the Lord. What he's saying, because he goes on to say that you being rooted and grounded in Christ might be able to comprehend together with all the saints the length and breadth and height and depth of what? Of what Jesus' faith is. Because when Jesus spoke, you guys, whatever it was that he spoke came to pass. If a demon needed cast out, the demon was cast out. If somebody needed healed, they were healed. Okay? What he's praying is that is in Rebel, in Genesis, in Ephesians 1, I'm sorry, when he's going, I want you guys to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in his knowledge that the surpassing greatness of the power by which he raised Jesus from out of the dead and pulled this man all the way to heaven and seated him on the heavenly throne if we had that kind of knowledge and then he strengthened all of us by power to be strengthened through his spirit into our inner man, where the faith of the length and breadth and height and depth of Jesus' faith is in us. Oh my Lord, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. What power? The power that he just prayed into us. He's wanting us to get this because God is going to do even exceeding abundantly beyond that. Mm-hmm. Does all that make sense to you guys? He's wanting us to take advantage of, he's wanting us to understand <coughs> the Yehovah Yasha in order to take advantage of this. Amen. We have to see when this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, it's the spirit of Yehovah and Adonai together. Because there's a there's a force that God wants. The, the Galatians chapter five verse four. When you pull the negative out, it literally says force is faith through love working. When that kind, when this kind of force through resurrection power works through us, I'm telling you, hell is going to shiver like crazy when believers start believing this. Because we're going to be like Esther and go into the throne room and go, we need a judgment from you. And he's going to express the judgment that we need on behalf of the saints. Yes? Yes. That's what I got, you guys. It'll, it'll, it'll make you see things in Scripture totally differently. Because <laughs> God gave Jesus a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow and every tongue will confess. Again, the Greek doesn't just say, will confess Jesus is Lord. The Greek literally says, and every tongue will confess, Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it means this, with this together. Anyway, so good. So we couldn't. I don't know where to run from here, but that's what I got from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It, it just uh, there's just this thing in me that God is going. I want, I want to draw the saints into where they're not walking in. The the one thing I like about listening to Dan Muller, he. He pulls you into intentionally believing the word of God. Mm-hmm. 
we get so down in ourselves based on what we do or based on our weaknesses. And God's, God's going, I don't see you that way, not because I have blinders on, but because I dealt with everything at the cross. Mm-hmm. The issue is that God's not peeling onion skins off of us guys trying to get us into this place. He's, we're not trying to get to the finished work of the cross. We started the finished work of the cross. God's wanting us to see us in the finished work that even when we blow, we're going, Lord, this is not my identity. I'm not who this person was. I, I, these weaknesses, I see these things in me, but you, I'm going after transformation because you don't just want my sanctification, Jesus. You are my sanctification. Mm-hmm. And the more we see Jesus as he is, the more we see our true identity. So when we see weaknesses in us, it's not to get us down. It's to get us to a place of going, okay, Lord, you told me to reckon myself dead to sin. I'm reckoning myself dead to sin and alive to you. It's not about trying to peel onion skins off. It's about taking on the true identity that already is ours. We're not just clothed in righteousness, you guys. We are righteous on the inside. Yes. It's in the fabric of who we are. Yes. When he, when God reckons it, the Old Testament, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The Hebrew word for reckon literally means to weave into. God didn't just say he was righteous. He didn't just look and go, okay, you're righteous. He wove it into the fabric of who Abraham was. David Holland was the one that corrected me on this. God didn't just impute righteousness to us. He imparted righteousness to us. And God's just wanting us to, he wants to unclothe from us the unbelief that causes us to see ourselves less than the finished work of the cross, less than the blood of Jesus. Does that make sense? Because he's, there's something in God that wants to get the bride of Christ taking advantage of her head and not seeing herself distant from him, but going, look, you've been chosen for such a time as this. Put your royal robe of righteousness on and get into the throne room because he loves you. He's stretching his scepter out to you. He's not going to reject you. The veil was ripped, you guys. When Jesus said, it is finished, Father, I commit my hands in your... God went, that darkness that was over the land for three hours was a physical manifestation of what had existed through all of creation since Adam chopped of that fruit. That veil was already there. It just manifested in the natural. But the veil in the temple and the, the darkness in the sky ripped at the same time. It was God's invitation to go, come on, you guys, you're righteous now because a man already paid for you. Come as you are, but I'm not keeping you as you are. And he's just wanting to get the bride of Christ out of always seeing her faults into, okay, Lord, I'm putting this robe of righteousness on. It was your gift. Look, you guys, Esther was a slave. She didn't bring herself into the the palace. They brought her in. That's Holy Spirit going after nations, bringing them in. I'm, I'm clothing you in righteousness. I'm soaking you in Holy Spirit and the Word. I want you to see your real identity. You're not this anymore. You're this. 
when as he is, so are we in this world. So good and holy, yes. And he just wants us to, even in the struggle in our emotions, to just bring it all, but say, Lord, that's not who I am. This is who I am. And I think, you know, here's the other thing I love that Dan Muller does this. Don't just make scripture confessions. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Make it relationship. Okay. I've seen this over the years. Christians will confess and confess and never be in relationship. And that what they're confessing is right. But I've seen them get frustrated after time. Because they're not seeing the, the manifestation of what they're confessing. It's like God didn't rip the veil for you to confess this way. He ripped the veil for you to make it relationship. Mm -hmm. Because when you start making your confession relationship, you're going to notice his presence in your work day, whatever it is that you're doing all day long, not just in the glory encounters of a servant. Mm -hmm. But we're, oh God, thank you. I just, I thank you that you made me the righteousness of God in Christ, Lord. I thank you for you. I, I, I'm telling you guys, I'm going after healing continuously. I'm praying for people. I go back to the Lord. God, I didn't see anything. And it's like, just keep believing me. Yeah. You know, but to, to the place where we start taking advantage more and more so that when we come together, I've seen this home church pray for things and the answer came about. I love the corporate faith. Mm -hmm. And there's just a place where God's wanting to take us more and more and more. He wants us to take advantage of Esther going to the throne room for this. Mm 